0: this episode we're covering pillar two which is mental and intellectual wellness a couple of episodes ago we discussed the difference between wellness and well-being last week we discussed pillar number one which was around physical covering exercise sleep and nutrition so now we're trying to take this a step further and seeing how our mental and intellectual wellness helps frame our lives and connects back to the body because there's a huge mind-body connection. I thought it'd be interesting just jumping straight in if you wanted to define in that sentence, as as governed by the Global Wellness Institute, how they define mental wellness.
1: Yes, so mental health and wellness, as we kind of understand it, is not just simply the absence of a mental health condition. It really is rather the state of well-being in which individuals are able to lift their fullest potential cope with the normal stresses of life work productively and contribute to their community which is a really nice all encompassing global aspect of it that really describes mental wellness
0: yeah and i like that i love that i know it's one of our driving forces is about us living to our fullest potential but also helping other people do the same covering the being able to cope with the stresses and strains of life anything that gets thrown at you i think is huge Um, there's a lot of pressure on us through you know work and society it's really important to develop those skill sets and i think developing them is important it's something you've got to work on we think about working on our physical health but we really have to work on our mental health too and as part of that uh, the global wellness institute has these pathways to mental wellness I think we're trying to do this structured in this episode because this is a complex topic of which we are not, you know, medical experts in. So we're trying to f- formulate it and try and take some great uh, information that's already out there and look at the structure that they present and then interpret it through our lens or through our frame of how it's interacted with our life. So do you want to do you want to touch on those four?
1: Yeah. So. Globally, the the four are, the first one is activity and creativity. Then we're going to talk about growth and nourishment, rest and rejuvenation, and connection and meaning. And those four, I feel personally, have all very valid points when you focus on that really contribute to mental wellness.
0: Yeah, and they split them into two sides under each of those categories. There's the mental or the internal versus the physical or external. So it would be great to just touch on them and just see how we feel their what their subjects are covering, how it, it seems to be relevant to our lives and hopefully the lives of, of everybody. Um, so on the mental internal, they talk about playing hobbies, making and creating, learning and discovery.
1: And that really falls under activity and creativity. Thinking about creativity from my point it's really is for me it's a release creativity we obviously do it and it's our profession but thinking back as a kid i would love sitting at the table drawing my pens making things creating things it's always been a real kind of release and it got me in my little zone and it just felt very at calm and at peace um, which i feel is a really good good way to focus your mind on something creative and and therefore just really take care of your mind
0: yeah hobbies were big for me Um, growing up I still maintain hobbies now I wonder for a lot of people that don't or are not fortunate to have a creative outlet through their profession I wonder how that may have been diminished now through the you know the invent of technology you know being glued to a screen at work all day then coming home or or, or commuting looking at a phone or an ipad and then to the tv so i wonder how creativity is being diminished just generally in society and i guess there's different ways of creating now i mean what's interesting is that people are becoming in experts in fields that seem to be a profession so people now being able to you know produce and create their own podcasts or their own youtube channel so there's a different kind of creativity but maybe less of the what we thought about growing up as kids that painting and drawing and sticking and gluing
1: and then thinking more about the external side which leads a little bit more into physical activity when we're thinking about movement fitness exercise sports so that's more the external side that can really promote and make you flourish in the mental
0: wellness yeah for me it's twofold one it's just when you do there's a you know endorphins are released when you do physical activity you get those chemical releases that that make you feel good and then on the flip side of that as you as you see maybe a change in your body composition or those things there's a mental boost to your self-esteem or your appearance and what is really interesting here is that they do connect the mental with the physical and that's that real mind body connection they're not mutually exclusive they have to be tied together one one supports the other and it becomes a, a supportive circle or a supportive loop one sorry one thing you didn't really touch on there was learning and discovery i know you're constantly learning
1: yeah <laughs> uh so learning learning and discovery, I feel like that curious mind is really something that stimulates the mind in the right direction because it makes you less focused on the ne- negative things and makes you less focused on the stress because it's more something that's moving you forward and makes you grow. And I feel like that's a real, for me personally, I just really enjoy that mental activity of learning and discovering. It just really makes me feel like expanding my mind and that gets you out of that stuck mindset of really focusing on things that are rather pulling us down and is more connected to negativity than positivity so i yeah like you said i really enjoy that and that's really that for me personally really leads to my mental wellness is to constantly learn grow and then contribute
0: that's key isn't it we can absorb as much knowledge as we want but then giving it back or giving it back out to the world in your f- interpretation of what you've learned is, I think, super important. And that's the ultimate goal. I know for us actually doing the podcast was a way for us to learn. It's forcing us to research much deeper into topics that would maybe before we only had a relatively surface level understanding of. So that's really key.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The the deep dive into that kind of knowledge and wisdom and understanding and then sitting here and explaining certain things that makes you understand as much how much you don't know and then gathering and then expanding on what you know. So I feel like that's, to me, that's a learning. What we're doing right now is just even talking about topics that we are really passionate about but only have a very small percentage of real understanding but constantly reading about it, exposing yourself to it really makes makes you grow in that field
0: and and you mentioned the word passion that that really is it we don't ever see it really it's just a part of who we are we naturally get drawn to reading articles or researching things around a lot of these topics because like you said we want to kind of selfishly gain knowledge but then uh, from a contribution want to be able to put it back out and help people in their own lives which yeah it's it's really is passion driven What what about the next one, growth and nourishment?
1: The next kind of pathway to mental wellness is described as growth and nourishment. And again, starting on the internal side, we can look at that a lot from the lens of self-help, therapy, coaching, mentoring, cognitive enhancement and brain training we've done a lot of coaching like you mentioned in some of the previous sessions last year and this has really been kind of our internal growth and nourishing our mind it's expanding our consciousness it's expanding the the fields the way we see the world and that really that really leads to an internal way of mental wellness for us looking at the external thinking about growth and nutrition that's that's a little bit more obvious that's Kind of touching on
0: yeah diet and nutrition, and then they mentioned drugs and supplements. We we mentioned a lot about diet and nutrition last week in the in the physical pillar. It's very difficult. There is a quadrillion um, different fad diets out there, and the reason there are is because so many. I think it plays into the people's psychology or their lack of discipline or motivation that they. They don't work because it's not about the diet per se. I think it's a trouble with each of our individual motivations or disciplines. And I very much spoke last week about having a, a North Star, a purpose or a why that pulls you towards wanting to make that change much. And that pull is much stronger than that short term satisfaction or fix you might get by, you know, breaking the diet um you know binging on something i think it's it's really important to have that balance so you don't live completely strictly i think you need to have that that avenue that escape not not cut everything or every food type out of your life Um, it doesn't work for me um and i i just find that Yeah, it really is about, it's much bigger than focusing on a diet. It's about having that North Star. And I think one of the things we learned a lot in our coaching last year was the reason why you're doing it, has got to be beyond yourself. It has to be connected to a much bigger purpose. If you think about journaling down, why, why do I want to lose this weight? Or why do I want to change my body composition? It needs to have the personal reason and then how it could positively impact way beyond yourself how it could impact your family your friends your community or you know people around you in your workplace so it yeah i'm i'm adamant people have to find their north star their why that will be their stronger pull towards than just for a short space of time trying to restrict a certain calorie intake or a type of food group
1: yeah when i really think about the two words growth and nourishment when i think about that on the internal side and in connection with the mind a growing mind growing your mind expanding your mind and then also nourishing it nourishing it for me is also really being conscious about what you listen to what you read what you let in your mind because all of those things really influence how we see the world how we think how we how we find direction so we can really, if we like, take a lot of negative worldly views on a lot of negative thoughts, that's really how we're projecting it out in our own mind to the world. And that's what we're therefore then attracting. So it can be that kind of real negative loop. I really like the idea. It's very abstract, but I really like the idea about growing and nourishing my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, it's a very easy thing not to think about it. But anyone who's been exposed to even a really mild form of anxiety depression to have a pathway let's say through that to really focus on that to get out of it it's is really amazing what what a good tool that can be that almost kind of leads me a bit to the next one which i'm really passionate about talking about rest and rejuvenation and that again on the internal part we're talking about meditation and mindfulness And the reason i'm so passionate about it is because this is really something that i found makes a huge difference to me and the reason it makes a big difference is that we can't almost find a life or live a life that's completely stress-free at least if we want to be in a normal society we want to we have a business we're entrepreneurs we're growing we're exposing ourselves to a growing economy, that's very hard not to be stressed or get in the direction of stress. But the important part is because stress, as we know, is, is really a big contributor to health, to um, illnesses as well. So it's like really to mental health, to find a way through mindfulness and meditation to never let it go to the point where stress turns into negative and negativity, because positive stress definitely can motivate you, give you a push, give you like a little bit of adrenaline to move forward. So the stress isn't always negative. But to balance it, that you don't let it go to the tipping point where it can really affect your, your mental health. And I keep going on about how busy, noisy everything is around us and taking these moments of pause, mindfulness, silence and just really letting your mind calm down because even if it's positive all the influences we have of learning growing reading it still is a lot it's a lot to digest a lot going on in our mind and if we're too overstimulated i feel like that can often lead to just exhaustion and and burnouts so the the moments of mindfulness and meditation which is for some people that haven't tried it, it can be a bit daunting of thinking about sitting there in silence. But there's so many amazing ways of meditation, so many different types of meditation as well, that you can really find something for yourself that works for you. Breath work is a really good one too, And just really starting small. And the key is to integrate it into your like daily routine, because this is when you can monitor a net, let it go the stress levels go too far. You can always reel it back in with that sort of mindfulness.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree. the The rest is super important, and it's not rest as in sleeping. It's, it's having that mental break, mental break from the, the overload of social or mainstream media, and like you said, even just continually reading or learning, absorbing. It. It's a lot. Your brain and mind and body need a rest. I know i've i've done a fair amount of meditation to i mentioned before get over some anxieties that i've had for most of my life and now i do it much more as a like with you at a daily practice it is difficult in the beginning and i know in the beginning i felt like something magical was about like i'm waiting for this magical thing or i know i think like a lot of people you're you're trying to stop all thoughts in your head it's like it's like you're supposed to clear your mind of everything but what i really found is more about coming in you know i think a lot of it for me is coming being in tune with your breath and just letting your breath guide you in and out it's a bit like waves in the ocean it's just waves come in waves go out and i found the simplest way because often we shut our eyes to do this a million thoughts pop into your head and if you can continue just to keep going back to the breath going back to the breath that's the simplest way to to keep some sort of mindfulness or concentration in that moment the other good way that I learned as well is to think about all your thoughts as cars on a freeway or on a motorway and they're going back and forth and within your sort of main field of vision you can let that thought or that car or truck come in carrying that thought but once it goes out of your periphery vision just let it go and that was a really good way for me to visualize thoughts let the, acknowledge them but then just let them drift off and off they go and you you have to develop it as a skill and like anything that's what we said working on your physical body is a skill working on your mental state your mindfulness or your meditation is a skill but I'm, I feel fortunate that I've got to a point that I can pretty quickly, in pretty much any environment, through certain breathing techniques, just go straight into a fairly calm, meditative state. And that last thing is doing something like that non-sleep deep rest protocol, so through Dr. Andrew Huberman or others, it's just 10 minutes a day at lunchtime, break up your day, break up your afternoon, and it it, it really makes a difference.
1: Yeah, it does It does pay off, Yeah, for sure
0: yeah what's part of what's some of your routines around meditation
1: so I like to I know we've kind of both are doing it together now. I like to really first thing when I get up before really doing anything other than maybe drinking some water is um slipping right into a even if it's just five minutes five to ten minutes meditation a little hack that i've that I'm doing right now is having my meditation pillow at the bottom of the bed so I literally slide out of bed get into that seat. For me, that's almost like a a different routine than just stepping out of bed and getting up. Now it's the getting on the pillow, which is that instant motivation to be there. Then it's that real consciousness 5-10 minutes in the morning. Ideally longer, but even if it's that's the starting point.
0: Before you look at your phone, before, I assume. Oh, yeah. absolutely, before. That's
1: what I'm saying. I mean, the only thing I, I really do is maybe drink some water beforehand. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the first thing because it's really how you set up your mind for the day. It makes a big difference. And I used to first thing get on my emails first thing in the morning because you constantly, especially as business owners, you constantly have that responsibility. You constantly feel like if I don't react now, if I don't know about it, something can go wrong it is not sustainable. It's not something that you long term can do and really be of really good service to your clients. So that first time in the morning is really about how you set your intention for the day, how you wake up, the consciousness, consciousness you go into the day with, and also the kind of listening to that moment of peace and silence. Sometimes, really suddenly, you come with an answer. You come up with an answer to something that you might have been pondering over the night before during the day and that moment of silence, your mind suddenly really not just your mind, your internal voice, your intuition really leads you to that answer. So that's one of the reasons I really find that very powerful. Once you break through that initial discomfort, once you get into it, once you know how good it makes you feel, you don't want to miss it. And it just becomes and like I'm always saying it needs to become more of a ritual. And needs to become part of your identity, be needs to become part of your lifestyle. That's just something that you do, that's who you are.
0: I believe it's becoming much more part of a lot of people's lives now, or much more mainstream. I remember we went to H D summit in maybe two thousand and nineteen in Florida and we did a group meditation um by is it Jesse?
1: Yeah, with The Big Quiet.
0: Jesse from The Big Quiet. And I remember, we were fairly well versed in meditation, so we just fell into it pretty quickly. But after that group meditation, I remember speaking to a lot of people who found it very awkward, didn't really know what to do. Um, It was uncomfortable. And we had that conversation with a lot of people and kind of explained our viewpoint of it. And then coincidentally, this year, um, 2022, post COVID, we also did it. Jesse was there again from the Big Quiet. We did it probably with a very similar group of people. And the energy in the room was completely different. And I wonder if that's a post COVID thing where people have adopted some of those initiatives into their lives and it, it's become much more integrated into people's wellness or well being journeys.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely more of an awareness there. And I generally feel that we're going through such a big shift at the moment. It's a real paradigm shift. It's an opened, expanded consciousness. And for me, it's the the way technology has evolved. We also almost as the antidote to that, really expanding our mind, our consciousness, and going back to those healing modalities that are really ancient wisdom that we're using now. Because we need that and it taps us into more that grounded feeling and I think people are more open to it and then when you're open to it you try it and once you try it and you see the result and i'm convinced that everyone who gives it a proper chance will see the result and it makes you feel good you don't stop something that makes you feel good you just need to give it enough of a chance to really try it out to get that feeling of that it makes a difference to you
0: yeah it's great and one thing i want to touch on here because they also talk about the physical and external they talk about sensory experiences where we're talking about light sound aroma or touch therapies we've done quite a lot of sound bowl meditations recently and they're fascinating too i remember the first time i did one it was almost overwhelming the intensity of the sound and whatever energetically happens through your body it it can Kind of leave you feeling a little bit disorientated if you. But I think especially if you kind of resist it in the beginning. But lately we've we've done a few uh, quite regularly.
1: Yeah, I mean we try to do it once a week. Really, it's yeah. our new Friday happy hour. It
0: is our new Friday happy hour, and it's a great, as you said, antidote to the week. It's instead of, you know, maybe going out and socializing heavily, eating and drinking. um It's a nice book to the week. It's it kind of sets the intention for the weekend and. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it and start to be more in tune with it. And yeah, I, 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 look, I, I generally look forward to doing them.
1: I mean, one benefit that we really experience, which is also mentioned on the external part of the mental wellness, is sleep, which we covered last week too. The, generally, the meditation and also the sound ball, especially when you do it a little bit before bedtime, really prepares your body and calms your nervous system down that you're ready to make the best out of your night's sleep it's you're not fighting from being on at 100% to suddenly being down to to zero it's really that preparation for it and then the the sleep becoming so much better that's really another benefit of it too
0: yeah I I can agree more it's it really does you know that me 10 15 years ago would have listened to a lot of this and thought yeah i'm sure there does some have some benefits but wouldn't have fully embraced it or believed it it's not for me it's maybe not for me yeah but generally i'm i'm testament to you know getting into it like you said consistency consistently doing working on it being part of your daily practice yeah and it does it's a few minutes out of your day which can easily be wasted you know on social media or something else that's not moving you forward so um i'm i'm all i'm all in
1: that's good so the next one is kind of one level deeper when we're really looking at the last pathway as the global wellness institute describes it for mental wellness is connection and meaning then on the internal it's going into religion spirituality beliefs altruism gratitude and compassion
0: yeah, when I think about touching on those, um, gratitude's a huge one. And from a real practical point of view, as I mentioned, I suffered a lot of anxiety. What I've learned through research and teachings is that the brain can't think of things, two things at the same time. So if in a moment of anxiety you turn towards thinking about something that you're grateful for, it stops anxiety in your tracks because like i said your brain can't think of two things at once so it's a really good tool to break that cycle of negative or spiraling thoughts when we get into an anxious state is really generally being some grateful for something and it doesn't mean going deep into your into your sort of memory bank and thinking about gratitude of like oh yeah the time somebody bought me a gift or something it can just be simple as being grateful for you know just being alive at this moment in time or seeing the sky blue sky or the green trees or something in nature it can just be something that you can generally connect to and and i think it needs to be heartfelt you can't just go i'm grateful for it it really needs to come from the heart and it it really does work and it's you know that coupled with some breathing techniques can really stop anxiety in its tracks
1: yeah i like how you mentioned that it needs to come from the heart and that's really something because again same as meditation i'm very passionate about practicing gratitude, is when you focus on your heart space and you can feel it in your heart and opening in your heart. And again, that also takes a bit of practice. It's got such a magnetism and a power that gratitude just really radiates. And we kind of all know what we emanate, the energies we also attract. So why wouldn't we want to do one of the most beautiful energies, which is connected to the heart and gratitude, You almost can't get a higher frequency than that. So the things you can attract to that is is really wonderful. What I found helpful, too, is when I was beginning the kind of gratitude practice is I was reading somewhere when you can't really if it's too abstract and you can't really feel it, you need to think of something that's really dear to you and think about what it would feel like if it wasn't there, if you lost it. And that I feel is a very easy way then to tap more into being really grateful for that thing that person that memory so to for me there was a beginning feeling of just experience of what does gratitude feel like when you because we know a little bit we're more, more familiar with loss and not having something it's sometimes easier to tap into and have as a feeling but when you tap into into that and then transform it into what it would feel like if you didn't lose that person, if you didn't lose that thing, if you didn't lose that experience, then you can really develop that really heartfelt gratitude. Yeah. And same with meditation. Once you're in that flow, once you're in that rhythm of feeling that, that's kind of where you can expand on it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a very powerful tool. And uh, um, I think we can just on a face value, normal level, just become un, ungrateful or not or not remember to be grateful first, you know so much that's you know positive in our lives I know there's sayings around you know being grateful for where you are right now because probably five years ago this was a goal of where you wanted to be and now you're there you're already on to the next goal so sometimes it's to stop and remember that five years ago this is the life you dreamed of or this was the thing you wanted to achieve so it's great to keep moving forward but it's it's part of the journey it's recognizing the journey and not the end goal and it's who you become along that journey which is really really important too and it also talks about beliefs i think s all of us are really guided by our beliefs whether it's our viewpoint on the world or what we believe say politically or socially um and what's interesting and what we've learned is that typically find or seek out evidence that reinforces our belief structure so we know that if you want to make a dramatic change in your life you can change your beliefs and that's been really you know it's been really powerful for us because you may have limiting beliefs or a limiting mindset so if you change that and break that wide open then really the world is your oyster and just transforming that approach to life you're you know not limiting how far you can you can go on your journey which for me also comes back to gratitude because you get one shot at this it's just like I believe certainly for me it's it's so important that I feel like I take every opportunity with gratitude to, to achieve everything that I possibly can and along the way grow and you know help others and we talk about that growth and contribution being the two the two
1: kind of core values two core values that
0: result in ultimate fulfillment and that's all we're trying to do we're trying to have a fulfilled life um we we hear that quote or that phrase about success without f- fulfillment is the ultimate failure and it's true that's why a lot of people are unhappy they they achieve their goal whether it's buying that amazing house car um, that relationship they thought they wanted or the billion dollars and if you get to that point and you're not happy then you you're not truly fulfilled so therefore you've kind of you've you failed and it is a very sad place to be because then what's next if you reach that point where you think is something's gonna change your life and it doesn't, and normally it doesn't, um, especially if it's materialistic. So that's where you need to look inside, you know, religiously, spiritually, whatever your um, pathway is to find that true, deep fulfillment in life.
1: I think the common denominator with that is, if it's spiritual, religi- religious, it's more the understanding that there's something bigger than yourself, that you're contributing to something bigger than yourself. That's really, I feel like where our life's purpose, our connection is is way more powerful than just thinking with the ego about our own lives, about our own selves and about our obstacles and hurdles. I think that really big connection and I think going back to that consciousness that I feel like is really arising with people is that's that's what people sense now and feel. They feel way more connected that our life impacts not just ourselves, our close families, friends, our community, it's a much bigger picture that your emotion, your feeling can affect someone across the pond. So that's how it's really important that you make sure that when you have a negative emotion is it really necessary to be grumpy, to be upset, to be aggressive about something because the ripple on effect is much bigger than just to your to your own self.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, so that's
1: a big I mean it's a big big topic. It is
0: a big topic. It all I mean all of this when I think about mental wellness or intellectual wellness everything comes back to me. I keep saying it funny or North star funny your why. Read Simon Sinek's book, you know, Find Your Why. He's also got another book about how to discover your why where you can literally go through his book and find out what your why is. Why do you why do you get out of bed in the morning? He talks very much about we typically know what we do and how we do it especially in business it's like what you can talk about what you do and how you do it but the why of why you do something is a is a much harder thing to pinpoint and he's really incredible of way he will extract it out of you and it typically comes back to how you were in your childhood how you naturally interacted with people or what what really made you happy what really made you excited what was that like lasting memory that you can't forget and it's something normally around that I think he says by the time you're in your late teens or early 20s you have formed who you are and your why is already built into you so it's not about I don't think and I I, you know I don't want to misspeak here but it's not about thinking something up of like I want this to be my why and then changing it every five years it's typically something that is deep inside our dna of who we already are and it's about extracting that and then finding that as your i keep saying north star to move you forward and when i think about and i think he always touches on that your personal why and your business why if you run your own business they're typically the same they might be worded slightly differently
1: but that's where you bring your personality in your own um, purpose to your business yeah that's where it makes it very authentic and personal
0: yeah, and when I think about when I think about my personal why, I say it 's to improve every aspect of my life so I can positively impact the lives of others and the The nice thing about when he describes about finding a why, it should be gigantic that that you could never fully achieve it, so it's something that you 're always always working on and working towards and then when I think about our business one um it's very similar you know it 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 has the same you know back story or backbone to it that ties very much to our my personal one now it's tricky when we think about two business owners having the same why so it it has to have a a bit of both of us in it which you know we're, we're fortunate that we do
1: I mean, what makes me think on the personal level as well, I feel the, for me, what I was reading is that the purpose for all of us is really to be part of something bigger than ourselves, to be of service to someone. But the uniqueness comes in what do you uniquely bring to that? What makes you you? And then when you were saying about going back and tapping into your childhood, what's interesting of that is that the childhood is probably showing our purest essence of who we are, we're not tainted by negative experiences, by society, by people telling us what we can and can't do. So this is really from a childhood lens, a dream of who we are and how we see the world, what the world can be. So that's why I find that really interesting to go back to the childhood and finding your essence and what is the unique thing you bring to the world that you can add to your purpose. Because the other thought with that is when you think about adding something especially now so many everyone is doing what you're doing when you look around you feel like someone is already doing what you are doing so why add another podcast why add another design practice why add another creativity to anything it's but it's how you bring your authentic self to it that makes a difference that makes a difference to it being different and also attracting different things to different people because it's really about who do you resonate resonate with and how can you help someone else by putting yourself out there
0: yeah and it's right and Ryan, i just want to you said um i know exactly what you meant you were talking about the when you're a, a child and you have this purest essence of yourself you did sort of say you know i think what you were talking about is that you weren't you weren't as influenced by the outside world or the yeah. environment around you obviously you can have very negative experiences in your childhood, which may actually form part of who you become. So sometimes that real negative moment in your life can actually form who you become. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? So that's a good point. Yeah. So it's, but I think you're right. It's something that's formed in our childhood without as much of the noise and influence that maybe we now seek out or we're bombarded with. You're not quite as exposed to it. So, um, I love it. And I didn't, I didn't mention we, for our business, we talk about empowering people to become the best version of themselves for the benefit of humanity. So again, it's this gigantic golden cause with the idea that the environments we create enable or or facilitate be- people to become the best versions of themselves, especially in the wellness re- uh, realm. And then for the benefit of humanity, when I think about that, it's about people improving themselves to then pay it forward so it has a ripple effect through you know society or people's communities which you know is what that connection of meaning is all about
1: when we were talking about just external internal um on those four pathways that we're looking at on the note what you were saying that's an for me like an external way of describing it the internal way is that we also really pay attention to who we're working with who our staff is who our consultants are who the contributors are to bring our designs to life and that's really important for us to touch that element as well and give everyone kind of that sense of growth and empowerment and just really coming to work and knowing that you're growing it's not just a job you're coming to do it's really just something that you want to come to because there's something else that you feel like you're touched by and it's a a safe platform to really grow
0: yeah yeah
1: and be valued
0: yeah valuing people is so important i think that's where it comes into you know having compassion for people um the hierarchy within our you know a company it doesn't need to be you know bosses and owners versus their employees it's everybody is contributing to hopefully an end goal and everybody has a vital role to play in that um, whether it's us in an architectural uh, business or somebody mass producing something in a factory every single person has a key role in making that thing come to life so we're very compassionate about you know people and like you said exterior external consultants um, construction teams um, the person screwing in the last light bulb compared to the you know, artisan who's made this beautiful piece of furniture, they all contribute, uh, maybe sometimes in different weights, but they all have a vital part to play in the, in the end result. So, yeah, valuing and having compassion people, I think, is really important. We
1: kind of deviated a little bit, but it's still very important what we were talking yeah, about.
0: Yeah, and I think just yeah. to summarize, and so some of this, when you look at it, um, it seems like a lot of... When you get in a rhythm and put it into your daily life, it's it's just a small portion of your life that has a major impact. And typically we waste a lot of time in our lives through things that don't necessarily serve us. So it's really just flipping that. And um, for me, I, I keep saying it, I can't reiterate more that. Having that pull towards that big reason why you want to do all those things, I think gives you a much better chance of success and of consistency of discipline than just trying these things on a, on a whim or a one-off basis. And of course, they're going to have benefits to your life, but they're going to have much more of a holistic benefit if you yeah have that, that big picture in, in mind. So, we want to talk a little bit about design and how the environments that we create can support health. Uh, sorry, yeah, health and intellectual wellness. Um, it's a it's a minefield. Some of it is very abstract. Some of it is pretty obvious. Um, for yeah. me, sorry, for me, it's you got to really start with the base intention, like what you and everyone has to be on the same page is like. What is this space? What is this building? What is this facility? What is its main driving purpose? And some of them are going to be for a specialist where it's, we talked about, um, you know, wellness retreats or destinations, it might be in the medical field, or it might be something that's not related to health and wellness at all, but needs to have elements of of design in it that support people in in environments where they, you know, they're not exposed to nature or um, elements that really nurture them internally and externally
1: yeah I want to touch on and last week I was mentioning the well-building standard because the interesting part really is there's a whole concept dedicated to the mind and the well-building standard really the goal there is to improve the cognitive and emotional health and well-being of people, those people that are living, working, learning or spending time in the built space. And that used to be a very abstract thought when you think about cognitive and emotional health in the built environment. Obviously, we are very influenced by the buildings we're in. And then, for example, in the world building standard, when you think about design and going back to the mindfulness thought that we're talked about earlier. I think this is a really great concept where it's about, and specifically for office building, incorporating relaxation and restorative spaces so that you really make sure that there is a space for your employees that you can go to that is not connected to work. During the day, we spoke about mindfulness breaks during the day being so important that you can leave your desk and you go to a dedicated space that has lighting that can change, dimmed lighting that has comfortable seating, that has privacy, thermal comfort. You might integrate natural sounds. You were talking about the connection to nature, so it's either adding biophilic elements, so there is a perceived connection to nature even when you're indoors, or it's exposing you to nature views, or even better, if the space has the ability to open up to the outside and then have natural views to the outside. And those goes back to the mindfulness breaks during the day. And I feel like that's something that can really help with stress and help with burnouts. If those spaces are provided, especially in your work environment, that's where you're ex- exposed to most of the stress. You spend a lot of time, I shifted a little bit with COVID, but usually you spend a lot of time in an office space. So I really love that that part of the concept. And then also connecting Connecting people, and that can go into the hospitality field as well, connecting people to the the place, like really celebrating the cultural, local, historic background um, through art and initiatives. And that really, I feel like for the mind concept, it connects you deeply, it roots you to where you are. Um, So that's another really great way of integrating it into design and affecting your emotional and cognitive Perception.
0: Yeah, and for us, we really want to make sure it's a, a really thought out from the beginning and it's not an add-on at the end. And like most things, anything that is deemed to cost additional money can sometimes be you know, scrapped out in the first round of value engineering or VE exercises. So holding that true, and that's why I mentioned in the beginning, what is the purpose of this? And trying to make sure that we hold on to those initiatives that we generally believe are going to serve the people in the building better. I think of a lot of things being either something that is passive or something that actively encourages you to take part in it Um, a lot of those initiatives when we think about the lighting or the air quality that's passive which is great it's almost subconscious people people may be aware of it they may just feel slightly different in the space they may not have such sort of fatigue because of the air quality and the light quality is great We know that having lighting in buildings that can follow the circadian rhythm is really important. I mentioned before, Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about getting natural daylight in the eyes first thing in the morning, and it helps regulate your sleep. So there's a lot of science now around how important lighting is. And on the flip side, dimming it down, you know, more moodier light in the evening. When we think about the active participation It's things like we know simple things like, being you know, taking the stairs. And you mentioned last week about encouraging stairwells to be designed more. More attractive and and beautiful. Yeah, more attractive, beautiful to encourage people to use them. Um, There's initiatives where the elevator will only stop on every second floor. So if you're unfortunate to, you know, work on one of those floors either side, then you're going to have to use the stairs. And those things add up. They end up even more if it's part of a... Or it's for somebody who already lives in that that space where they're mindful, they're active. And this is where another kind of conflict comes in for me. It's a a lot of these proactive things will support the people that already live that kind of lifestyle. (laughs) Excuse me. People that don't, sometimes they are not... It's that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink so it's really finding ways of making people want to try something for the first time or you don't want to force anybody into it but what force in the way that you almost sort of give them no choice in a positive way so when we think about this you know the staircase or the elevator example maybe elevator is not as prominent and the staircase is you know and just rethinking how we can design some of those spaces and then there has to be i think a bit of a learning there is like that's what excites me the most is finding somebody that you know they don't even know what they could do to help themselves and through education or an initiative something that just sets them off on a small journey to getting better either mentally intellectually or physically in their well-being I think that's what excites me about designing buildings that they can actively participate in somebody's wellness journey and yeah it is very exciting
1: I mean, going back to what we touched on earlier about this kind of more raised consciousness and awareness around health and wellness and your wellness lifestyle, which really get accelerated through COVID, we keep hearing, we know there's a lot more of a consumer demand in the hotel industry, but also in the kind of work um, corporate environment where people do seek out jobs and employers now that have that awareness and offer those tools in the buildings that either the buildings are certified or have these initiatives. And one thing I wanna to touch on from the well-building standard where we're talking about the design, that's one part. And then it goes into the operations and the culture of a company as well, where the especially the mental health and wellness can really be improved as well through programming like some companies they offer educational awareness efforts on mental health and well-being it's training courses related to that it's restorative mindfulness programs where you give access to meditations in yoga it's policies it's policies around trying to um, mitigate burnouts and stresses it's restorative breaks we spoke about creating those spaces that give you a restorative break but if you're company policy is still so strict and doesn't feel like you should leave the desk you kind of uh gotta be on your desk and work work through the hours and doesn't allow you the breaks then there's no good to have that space so it's really kind of the policies are mm. really important around that too establishing healthy working hours as well we, call, we we always we kind of we struggle sometimes a little bit with the kind of demand around work-life balance that's going on right now in our society and that's the fine line that we can maybe discuss on another time as well but it's still really understanding that an unsustainable amount of focus work and stress does not leave to more productivity so it's really kind of um, thinking about that too some companies even provide clinical self-assessments that are done by a third party that give you the opportunity to do a, like a health screening on your mental health as well to kind of check in and assess where you're at so I think that's a really great initiative too and generally offering mental health support so interesting part from going from design to programming to policy so it's it's really when we talk about holistic approach in architecture and design we talk about holistic approach in health and wellness and then we talk about a holistic approach in design aspects that lead to health and wellness but it's also got to encompass the the culture the policies the programming of a space because like we said we built those beautiful restorative spaces and they can't be used because the policies are in place specific to a work environment then it's it's only half of the half of the battle half of the good
0: and th- and that's what makes it really challenging isn't it you can we as designers and architects can do everything that we can but yeah if the policies aren't in place but I guess that's what we went to back to before that you know what is the purpose what is the foundation what is the goal for what we're creating and we would hope to think that those policies initiatives are built into the company structure or culture otherwise we wouldn't be designing those facilities to facilitate that so it's um but yeah it it, it it's tricky and i think of everything in tears of you know what what's going to have the most impact on people's lives and there's there's a lot of Advertising and marketing about how things can, you know, dramatically change your life when we know ultimately it's not true. And they certainly won't in isolation. They may, you talked about stacking before. There's, we go back to pillar one last week when we think about the physical, you know, um, exercise, sleep, and nutrition. If you get those right, probably 80% of the time, you're going to be in a pretty good place then you can add other things into it when we look at now what's so popular is you know cold exposure through cold plunges heat exposure through saunas or steam rooms those things for me are just nice add-ons but if you just did them only on themselves they would have a benefit but they will have so much more benefit if you get the three fundamental things right and i think it's the same with a lot of these elements that we design into buildings it's that they can have an incremental change and positive impact, but they're only going to go so far if a lot of the persons. And this is the other problem that you're only capturing a person for per a portion of their time or of their week. If it's an office building, say, say they're there for eight hours a day, what are they doing the other 16 hours of the day? So it's there's a great, there's a, it's tricky, there's a balance between ticking boxes. Um, because it sounds good on paper and then how much positive impact is it going to have on somebody's life and I think that's where we have to cut through all the noise and through all the weeds and just be honest about it and find out what are those things that are really, really going to make a difference and so much of that I think is around education rather than those small initiatives it's a, it's a balance it's, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky one yeah but but it's one that we need to keep working on and like you said post-covid i think so many people now are, have become aware or re-evaluated their own wellness and well-being journeys that like you said there's competition out there for either companies or or Definitely buildings in that, the corporate that support, world yeah in the Definitely corporate in your world environment. yeah and you know and it, it it transcends everything and i know we mentioned last week we talked about wellness homes you know i think wellness homes are going to be really coming to the forefront where there's infrastructure initiatives like we talked about cold plunging sauna etc being you know not boxes that you buy and add on to your house they're already incorporated into your house those mindful meditation spaces we know through sacred geometry how you can lay out and design a house has energetic benefits um that ground you in your space so it's it's fascinating and I think what's the most exciting is that there's an awareness and an openness to it now, whereas before it might have been seen for only one sort of sector of society that were deeply into this. I think we see so many people, and especially leaders in professions and communities, are are doing a lot of this themselves, then it's then it normalizes a lot of it and which you know, which is only a a positive and a benefit. So yeah, it's um, it's a fascinating time. Uh, it's a it's a complex, tricky subject. But what I take from it is that mental and intellectual wellness needs to be worked on like your body does, and combining those two together on a daily routine and a daily practice um, can have dramatic dramatic effect on your everything, every part of your life. Um, relationships community momentum work ethic yeah
1: it's good yeah what you were um what you were just saying about it being I think you were saying about being tricky I what I really love with us as architects and designers is the challenge and going back to the constant learning and growing is that we are exposed to these facets that are not traditionally part of an architecture and designer profession, or even point of interest, it's beyond the aesthetics. It's really seeing where society is going, and really seeing what is another level of purpose and meaning that we can bring into our spaces and educate ourselves around those those topics. Um, that really just excites me. That that level of yeah, that level of purpose and meaning to bring that into the spaces. And um, I mean, who would have thought 20 years ago that we would sit here and talk about pillars of health and wellness in the context of design and architecture? Of course, there's there's always people that have done it for a long time, but just more the consciousness and awareness and the demand from from consumers, guests, people now for this to really be to able to support it and flourish just makes me very excited.
0: Yeah. That's good. I think we're, like you said, we've got to keep pushing the boundaries. We've got to keep nudging, pressing, challenging the status quo. I keep talking for me. If there's one thing I want to achieve in my life, in my professional career, is redesigning the ballroom in a hotel. We go to so many conferences and events where we're supposed to be motivated and inspired, and yet we sit in these artificially lit, Boxes that are typically freezing cold with the air conditioning on. Um, the lighting is too bright. There's no natural light. You have no connection to where you are. Often we go to beautiful places in the world or in the country and you've got no idea where you are. You could literally be in a ballroom in any part of the world. And, um, you know, seriously, it I think it's something that can be dramatically improved. And I know the challenge with hotels is that they try and cater for so many different types of functions or guests whether it's you know a wedding to a conference to a specialist discussion and they have to be flexible in size to be able to open up go away but I think we can start to see how we can create dedicated event spaces within a hotel that maybe aren't quite as flexible but they they encourage they encourage creativity they connect to the space that we're in, or sorry, the environment, the location that we're in. They have natural lighting in them. The you know the heating and cooling is regulated. They are more interactive. You know the way the seating's laid out. It's just there's I think there's just a way to do it that ticks a lot of boxes and just changes the the traditional ballroom into something a lot more appealing that leaves you energized and inspired when you leave based on the conversation that's taken place in that room so that's one thing i'm i'm gonna focus on
1: i like that approach
0: yeah great well this has been a great discussion uh next we were talking about emotional wellness yes okay. that's
1: the next uh, dimension we're gonna be pillar, looking at
0: pillar number three of six great well thank you and thank you see you next week
1: see you next week